There you go. All right. Welcome to the Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is John Bradford, along with my brothers Peter and James. Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots and your backpack, grab your compass and your map, and let's get rolling. All right. Good to see you two men tonight. Yeah, you too. Absolutely. So, uh, Jim, James, you're going to lead us in with a prayer, I understand. Let's give it a shot, see what happens. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for all of your many gifts and blessings, too many for us to count. We ask you to bless our conversation this evening, bless all those who watch or listen, and help us all to grow to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better priests, better deacons, just better men in general to serve our families, serve the church, and serve the world. We ask all of this through the intercession of St. Louis and through the words that our Lord taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So nice. So tonight we're, we're starting to delve into the the seven habits of highly effective people, which is uh, uh, knowing you two men as well as I do, that uh, it's been a, a really great thing that we've run into this in our lives. And uh, so I'll kind of I'll start out a little bit, kind of talk about what it's how the seven habits entered into my life. And then uh, we'll move to James and then then Peter, you can roll in there behind James. So. Anyway, yeah, the uh, I have to attribute this to my early, early growing up, my early childhood, living with my father, and he was a man who was uh, a deep reader, and uh, he was reading books like um, "As a Man Thinketh," for instance, which was written by James Allen. I believe he was a pastor, a um, a Protestant pastor, and the gist of that book was. Uh, the quality of your thoughts, the quality of your thinking uh, determines the quality of and the outcomes of our life. So that was a pretty powerful thing to understand as a young man, that we have this free will that we can search for, you know, what's the structure of God's universe and how, how do we work, work within it? And that by thinking the right things and believing the right things, it starts to take shape in our lives with good outcomes. And uh, so as as I moved along there in life, that was always in the back of my head. So I always, always believed in some ideas that, you know, if we think correctly and we, we start planning and we do certain things, I, I did things in my life. For instance, I went to college, created a construction company, did, did a lot of different types of work in my life. But there was always this kind of a Think getting my head right, getting my thoughts right, and uh, as I as I matured in life, it, you know, it wasn't without its ups and downs for sure. So, uh, you know, there was a time that I was uh, lived life as a pagan. I traveled out west and lived as folks might remember from that initial broadcast we did. But uh, in the back of my mind, there was always this thought: I need to get my head right. I need to get. I need to get my thinking right, my belief structure right, I, that there, there was a structure of the universe that I had to member up my belief structure, my thinking, and my actions to, to basically meld with that so that I could create a good life. As I grew and uh, I ended up working for a larger construction company, but I discovered a guy by the name of uh, Tom Peters, I think Robert Waterman and Tom Peters, they wrote this great book in the 80s called uh, In Search of Excellence. And the In Search of Excellence book was one of those 
key books in my life that kind of like re-inspired me in those lines. And uh, so, uh, and they talk about this guy named uh, Edward Deming, who was a, uh, a guy that worked in the bomb factories and he was a statistician, but he discovered some secrets about uh, quality inside the manufacturing uh uh, like he, he within these these bomb factories where he's working, he he discovered that quality was an was a not poor quality wasn't something you could blame on individuals. It was a problem with the process itself that created poor quality, and it wasn't an individual person problem, which was really a big thing. And he really kind of grew into almost like this fatherhood. He believes that within a business that uh, owners of business should be more father-like in their relationships with their employees and not the tyrant, right? Which was really unusual in those times. But, but anyway, so I, I kind of got turned on to Edward Deming through Tom Peters and in search of excellence, but it gave me really good ideas and it was inspiring, but it didn't give me any like boots on the ground type of processes or habits that I could come up with until I discovered Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly effective people. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, this is actionable. You know, this is, this is really good stuff. You know, it was effective, it was granular, and it really gave me like, here's something you can, you can climb that mountain that you're trying to get up in self-formation and becoming the man that God's made me to be by employing these seven habits and really going to work with it. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it was a great thing. And then it just led to other things and it just led to uh, really a big improvement in my life. It's good stuff, John. But I couldn't help but think when you were saying that you were a pagan, that you were, I could just see you out in the woods burning sage and, and things like that. So it just, that was something that popped into my mind. But it's been a long day, so I have all kinds of weird things okay. popping into into my mind. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess my introduction to to these seven habits of highly effective people, and I did put a link to to the book in mm. on our Facebook uh, broadcast. So if anyone's interested, they could check that out. Um, but I think my introduction, if I remember correctly, was through uh, my brother, Father Han, who was I think working on it or reading through it, maybe with you, John. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure of, of that, but he kind of told me about it, and I started reading through it, and I was just I was just blown away that um, there were so many things in these seven habits and, and in the whole book, really, that just really resonated with the way I was thinking and the way I thought things should be. I guess um, I like to I like things to be very orderly, and I like to have systems and, and things like that, and so this really just struck me in the heart, just like, this is something that I can grab a hold of, just something that felt right about it. So I really started studying this, these seven habits and trying uh, as poorly as I do, but trying to implement them into my life and into our family even. Um, and as I was doing that, uh, when I was working at St. Michael's School in Worthington, the school decided to um, adopt a program that's called the leader in me and it's basically a kid's version of the seven the seven habits and it encourages all the ages and all grades to embrace these seven habits but at a level that they can all grasp um, so it was a great program it's called the Le leader in me and so i went through their training through with the school with the teachers and um i really it just i dove deeper into it but the what the principal wanted me to do at this Catholic school was basically to baptize this, this book. In other words, to try to find our faith within the seven habits mm. of highly effective people. And to me, that was like, Oh yeah, this is, it's gotta be done. You know, this is something that can be done because Stephen Covey says, these are principles that apply to all people, all race, all creed, all color, all, this is just a, across the board. This is not just for a certain group of people. I thought if that's true, then we have to be able to find it somewhere in our faith. And that's what I set out to do. And so I did a lot of work on that and really developed um, these seven habits of highly effective people. I call them the seven habits of holy Catholic people or holy Catholic families that I've worked on, um, but really brought that to life, just trying to find 
you know, the, the habits in, in our faith. And even today, in today's reading, it made me think, you know, I'm, I'm always seeing these habits pop mm. up. Um, but today's reading from Matthew, Jesus said to the disciples, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. I mean, just right there, we're already looking at what habit. I'm going to put you on the spot, John, what habit. Be ready. It's your favorite one, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so yeah, like it's, it's probably, uh, I mean, that's like personal responsibility or proactivity for sure. And then yeah. even the idea of that, uh, of having that vision, right? So in other words, so it's also encompasses habit number two, right? Uh, which is one of my other, those are my two favorites, I guess, because they, they just, they were the ones that really lit my fire about the habits, though they're all really good. But that idea of having a vision, right? Uh, you know, you know, where, where am I going in my life? And so the idea of crisis saying you have to have your eyes open and, and understand what's going on. Oh, so yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I thought was, you know, being proactive. That's what Christ is calling us to do, you know, stay awake. Be ready. You don't know when the hour is going to be. So, you know, be proactive, but also, like you said, begin with the end in mind. And our end always is, is heaven. So, you know, that's that's why we do the things that we do. So. So now for me, it's just like the seven habits pop off the page when I'm reading scriptures, when I'm looking at the sacraments, the virtues, the vices, the, all these things. And we'll talk about all that and for future episodes. But. Um, hopefully that's what I can bring to the table yep. as far as my study of the seven habits. So yep, that's really good. That's really good. And this past year, when we were working with some of the pastoral seminarians, uh, I know you were bringing that to bear. And and one of the seminarians in particular really picked up on that. He was really digging mm -hmm. into like Augustine and and really, you know, he kept kept that up. You know, as we talked about the different habits, he was digging back into the you know, doctors and the, the, the fathers of our faith and the church. And, and, the, and so he, it really affected him how you did that. So that was really a positive thing. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. That's good to hear. Cause I mean, it's just, once you're trained in the habits, I think it's easy to kind of see them pop out everywhere, yeah. you know, like, Oh yeah, that's what that is. Even though it's from Augustine who lived, you know, mm -hmm. 1600 years before Covey. So, you know, yeah, but it's right. just these are universal principles that Covey's kind of distilled and helped us see more clearly. Yeah. Um, How about you, Pete? Yeah, timeless, right? Um, so for me, um, just due to my colorful past, I don't exactly remember who who introduced me to the Covey to Covey and the habits. Um but God, God brought him about in a time in my life, uh, or reintroduced him, or however you want to say it, um, at at the right time, right? So, it was uh, a delicate time in my life, and I just, I don't know how to say it really. They just meshed with me. They vibed with where I was at, and like I, I, I fell in love with it. I uh, listened to the book at work, and it kind of transformed a lot of things about my life it helped me figure out who i wanted to be in the world for sure hmm. but i don't really remember who introduced me to it. i think it might have been my uncle um at one point but uh i think everybody for the most part at at this point i feel safe saying that uh most people have heard of the seven habits i mean my kids have the leader in me program at their school as well so but I think it's something everybody should utilize and uh, and know about. Now, now, what is the leader in me? It's like seven habits for children. Oh, really? It's yeah. specifically for uh, seven habits for children then? Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. It is. Um, I don't think that, like, my daughter was in kindergarten, and that's where it starts last year. But wow. uh, she couldn't tell you like the seven habits but like they they learn the principles which mm -hmm. is the important thing right yeah yep the timeless yeah. principles yeah and by the time they're finished with that particular school that you know by the time they're through sixth grade or whatever grade yeah. level they go through they'll have had those repeated 
at different levels each year mm -hmm. until they know, you know, they, they're living them at school. I think it's just a great program. Yeah. Well, and yeah, what, how that's really important. You know, I, it's almost like I kind of see Covey's seven habits as one of the central antidotes to the chaos of the world today. Right. So there's, there's a lot of people out there that want to blame their circumstances and other individuals and other groups of people right now. And it's like, that's such a dead end street. That's just dead end. Right. Yep. I mean, and it doesn't actually make any difference whether you've actually been, somebody's done you in, right. A group of people have done you in an individual's done you in makes no difference. It's like the way out of that that's a dead end type of thinking. It's a victim mentality. And the way out of it is really through something like, I mean, the seven habits. It's just, oh, yeah. it's a great Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to focus in on the negative and we find ourselves doing it all the time. But like that instance of having that at my daughter and son's school, you know what I mean? Like that's pretty big, I think. Yeah, that's huge. Like that's, yeah, it's a pretty big step in the right direction. And I think that there's more of that that we need to focus on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's is there any other impacts peter that it's had in your life just kind of yeah. what's, it, what's it given you what's it done for you think on a personal level so i think like i was saying um i mean god like kind of lined up the timing of it perfectly and it just kind of you know what I mean? I was ready to hear it. I was open because I'm pretty stubborn like you, John. Um, so say what? <laughs> it just <laughs> fell. It fell in line. Right. It, the slot was open and God put it in there. and It was like ready. And uh, I, was, I was receptive to it. But um, so it gave it kind of helped me develop like my idea of who I wanted to be in like in that book. I think I read it like two or three times before I actually did it. But in the book, he tells you to make a personal mission statement and uh, like pretty much explain how you want to live to yourself so that you have a foundation of what to do, you know, with these habits. And so I'd say it gave me like a, a like a fundamental checklist almost in that I know where to go to when I'm when I need to check myself. Um, it definitely has brought me closer to like giving myself away in that manner through self mastery and just trying to, you know, practice these seven habits. It's crazy. It's, it's funny that like all these people are like, Oh, you got to read this book about all these habits and da da da. And you're like, yeah, yeah. All right, dude, <laughs> take it, take it easy. Bump the brakes. <laughs> it's just a book, but this one really was a game changer for me. Um, yeah, it just helped me see like the really important things like uh, like that question, like if you died today, like would you be proud of who you were? And I think that when I practice these habits, I I could definitely answer that question easily every day with a yes. Yeah. That's yeah. What the, about you? I think he's talking to you, Jim. Oh, yeah, I just but... <laughs> I wasn't ready for that question yet. So just... Here. Yeah, I think that's interesting. In the book that he he kind of has you step outside yourself mm. and attend your own funeral and what would people say yeah. about you, you know, right now and what would you want them to say about you? Mm. I think yeah. that's just an interesting thing to right look at and own. say, gosh, your own eulogy, basically, you know what what would people think and say? And that's, it's something really kind of sobering to think about and to work on. So I really like that, that part of the book. Yeah. I think that um, one of the biggest impacts that the seven habits have had on my life is it's given me a kind of a resource. Like when I kind of lose track or you know, with my temperament, sometimes I tend to get overwhelmed with details and perfectionism. So I want, you know, if I want to say, I want to write a book, and I'm just going to think, I'm not going to, I'm going to be paralyzed, right? By analysis of what needs to be done and all the details and stuff where if I can just pause, just relax for a minute and look at the habits and say, okay, let's, let's do something. Let's be proactive. Let's make a plan. Let's, you know, there's steps that I can use from mm -hmm. the seven habits to kind of design what I want to do. So it really helps mm -hmm. me get out of that funk of, 
you know, pity party and I can't do this. And it really helps me keep a structure for my life that way. It helps me get back mm. on track. Mm. And I think it's helped me, like I mentioned before, just with the scriptures, but anything, just, you know, watching a movie, reading a book, something in the news, you know, that's, that's a habit. That's a bad habit. That's, you know, that's breaking the habit, which reminds me today, I'm going to show you the, the story real quick. I know this is in, on our, in our notes, but um, this is a good Powering example. outside the line. That's right. It's not like me, but I'm going to do it. Um, Go for but it. But it made me think today as I was meditating on our drive, because our drive was supposed to be 10 hours and it ended up being 12 hours because we had to be rerouted through these mountains and then get back on mm. track. And it was just, it was a long drawn out process. Mm. Mm. And we later learned that there was a, um, I guess it was a truck driver on 77 who had wrecked his, his or her truck and mm. spilled uh, hazardous materials all over the highway. And so they had to shut down the entire thing for miles and do all the cleanup, you know, and then I found out later that this person, it was drunk driving while they were, mm hauling these hazardous materials. And I'm thinking, nice. here's an example of, you know, breaking some habits of, you know, this is, this is how these habits help us to, to live better lives by being proactive and doing the right thing, beginning with the end in mind. And when we, we do that, I guess in the case of this person, we'll say this person didn't follow the habits and you might think it just affects you, but it affects a lot of people. So here's, my family who has to go out of our way. Here's, you know, other people far removed from the situation. You know, there's traffic backed up for hours and miles and these types of things. So that's the negative side. But I think on the positive side too, when we do follow these habits, it has that ripple effect as well, mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it affects the people around us. Like things are good. We're doing the right things. And that, you know, just kind of ripples out through. So it can have both positive and negative. So that's my spiel for, you know, the habits are important and not following them, whether you know them or not, they're kind of built in, they can have a, a ripple effect. Mm. More positive. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this with our faith. And again, you know, habit number one, which is proactivity. Again, that's like, um, it's kind of the idea of uh, there's some, there's several. And, and as we look at these let's say leadership books, that concept of personal responsibility, of proactivity, of extreme ownership is everywhere, right? right? I right. mean, it's like you're you're in charge, dude. No more, no more excuses. So it doesn't make right. you know, like that's and that's so freeing, but it's such a at the same time, it's quite a burden. I think if, if mm -hmm. you're kind of locked in this, oh, woe is me, I'm a victim, look at me. Uh, it's, but w once you break through that, it's like all of a sudden there's our Catholic faith, which is so great that we have the sacrament of confession. I mean, that's, it's like, what a great thing, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's like proactivity in a sense personified in the sacraments. It's right. like, yeah, I messed up. I I fell out of alignment with, you know, God's call for me, right? And so I get I I get to take that with a contrite heart and go to a priest and and then confess it, and it's purifying and it's good, right? And it's kind of a it's kind of a, the other way it kind of ties in with our faith too, especially for us men. It's like the whole story of the fall of man and the Garden of Eden. You know, it's kind of interesting that Eve ate the apple. She took it first, but actually, no, it was the man. It was Adam, as Paul tells us, who who sinned first because he didn't intervene. He stood back and watched, and he didn't take he didn't take his proactivity seriously, and then inter, intercede there and stop that whole thing from happening. So, but that and that's kind of like okay, that's all right, man. It's like. Once again, that's the extreme ownership of that, which is is really good. So yeah, it's uh, so I guess in in those ways too, it kind of like once uh, Covey kind of got into my into my head and into, into my let's say the theology of my body, the way I was believing and thinking, it's like you can't go back now, right? You gotta you gotta you gotta press on and just like no, 
what am you know what am I not doing now and what do I need to be doing and what am I doing that I shouldn't do and how can I you know basically program it out of me you know through prayer through action through good habits and uh, yeah yep so uh, so Peter can you give us a an example of what not following a habit looks like yeah um let's see what did i do today <laughs> uh, exactly <laughs> right <laughs> um i think the one that gets me is the snooze button it's just uh i'm not beginning with the end in mind every day and that is uh that's really important. There's actually a lot of good science on why you should not snooze. <laughs> it's like, I know these things, but I still, it's like, like mm-hmm. Paul, you know what I mean? Do the things I don't want to. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's one example for me is hitting the snooze button and then, uh, living every day, just living with a gap in between because the the habits are like who i want to be and like i was talking about earlier like they gave me this idea this like roadmap this trail guide of like hey this is this is who you want to be this is how you want to show up in the world and it's a lot easier said than done so i I fail in many ways every day as does probably everybody that's read this book um covey made it seem like he was really good at not failing (laughs) (laughs) but i mean he made it up so who cares (laughs) (laughs) what about you jim yeah i'm just uh it seems like whenever i think of uh failing to follow one of the habits it seems to be the the proactivity for me and there's a excuse me there's a story that i've told before elsewhere about um it was a couple years ago there's a creek that runs uh by the property uh, just you know, 20 feet on the other side of uh, of the pond on, on the property. And it was a couple of years ago during a storm that one of the trees along the creek fell towards the pond. And um, and we we would walk by there and it laid there for for a long time. And I, every time I'd walk by, I'm like, man, I need to cut that out of there because if I don't, it's going to end up rerouting the water. It's going to wash away this dirt that's basically a dam for the pond but of course it never did anything it just kept putting it off and putting it off and and that's exactly what happened that tree laid there for a long time each flood would send the water towards the dirt wall that's the dam for the pond and just start eating it away Mm. and so we had to eventually go ahead and cut it out after all the damage was done and then bring in a lot of you know, concrete that had been broken up from other projects and start pouring it into there to replace and strengthen that structure. And to me, that's just an example of going against that habit of being proactive. Whereas if we would have cut that or I would have cut that as soon as it fell, we wouldn't have all these other issues, you know, just spiraled out of control. So that's, that's my solid lived example of not being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a good so it- one. Yep, sure is. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm struck by that thinking about how you could almost line up the seven deadly sins. I know. <laughs> I mean, if you think about that, like it's, you know, there's, uh, you know, pride, right? It's like, well, pride's like I have this overinflated idea of who I am, you know, or what you know and and it's like it's is this a puffed up kind of balloon you know a hot air balloon i like to think of pride but there's no substance to it right but there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into it and so it's and and same thing with like envy i when i was in my let's say in my 30s before you know i was working in a with a big construction company and i had lots of responsibility and i was we're doing some really complicated projects at Ohio State University and around the state. And I, I looked at myself and thought, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these big projects. And then I look at other men who were in different air in different say industries who were younger than me making, taking, knocking down twice the amount of money and all that kind of stuff. And I felt this sense of envy, right? So it was like, but that was before the seven habits. And it's just like, 
And, and all of those, like, you know, anger, lust, sloth, envy, greed, and gluttony, every darn one of them is like something that the seven habits is a, um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an antidote for, right? And because, because basically it lays, it says, okay, you can, sure, if you want to be, uh, lustful, angry, slothful. Yeah, go ahead and do it. That's your problem, right? You own that problem. And it's like, it's, a, it's like Covey's like shines this bright light at us and says, okay, you can be miserable. You're really going to be miserable now because here's, here's the antidote to living a good life and not living a life of the seven deadly sins. So, so it's like, yeah, it's like a, a great antidote for for that and 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 again with something we i get caught up in you know from day to day week to week but it's like the bright lights there to kind of like kick me in the rear right and get me moving and um, yeah yeah i think the i think and we'll talk about that in future episodes as we dive deep into each of the the habits but i think they align in a lot of ways, like, just like you said, as antidotes to those seven deadly sins. And, um, they're very helpful in us fighting, fighting that uh, temptation to those sins, you know, just like basically it was sloth for me with the Creek, just being lazy. You know, if I would have been proactive, I you know could have taken care of, it, but I was like, Oh, if I oh, take care of this, I have to go get the chainsaw and then I got to climb down the creek and I got to stand in the water and I got to cut this tree and I got to get a tractor and I got to pull all this stuff out. Well, guess what? I had to do it anyhow. And now you also add on top of that, bringing a stone in to, to fix the damage that was done. So that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, there's, there's uh, that, that idea. So let's say, let's call that dread. Right. Something's on a horizon that we're like saying, I got to. OK, John, get out there and take care of that. Right. And then there's just a sense of like dread. Oh, I don't really want to do that. And then it's like the, so that's the sloth and the, you know, it's just the wrong thinking. And it's just an like, avalanche of excuses. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, it's like, not to do it. and and so we're called to wrestle that sense of dread about doing the whatever that is, or it's just like, I, I want to escape into this marshmallow world, right? <laughs> Where everything's soft and, and gentle and easy. And I can just sleep all day and hit this, you know, I don't even have a snooze button, right? I don't even have an alarm on. I just like, I'm just going to hang out and, and not do anything. It's kind of like, it's, it's almost like there's something in us. Uh, could it be the devil, right? That's, uh, that's like trying to, that that's for each one of us that we're constantly wrestling with, you know, that, uh, so how do we move forward? Cause we're, we have to be proactive. No, it's up to you, dude. It's up to me. And it's, it's so, uh, yeah. So, uh, and I'll be totally honest that I didn't do all that work to get all that tree out of there. Um, of course, when you have boys, you know, and uh, your mother home does, does stuff around the farm too on the weekends. So, <laughs> Can't say I'm surprised, Jim. <laughs> yeah, and they even talk their cousins into helping them, uh, you know, break the concrete into smaller pieces, mm. and then so they made a game know, it out. Of it. A fun, yeah, it was kind of a fun. It was almost like a wilderness outreach miniature project there. For nice, because so, it was quite a distance where the truck had dumped these big pieces of concrete. Mm. They were too big to really use as they were, so they had to be broken down and then brought over. So. Mm. But they did a lot of a lot of work on that. Yeah. Nice. You know that that there's there's being proactive and kind of beginning with the end in mind too. But so uh, God rest his soul. My uncle Howard Bradford just passed away here on the 16th of August, hmm. and I had the good fortune to work with him when I was a young man, and he was one of these guys that just. Nobody could outwork that man, but he was, but he loved to work. He had this joy about getting things done. Right. And I can remember we, we did a, uh, we put a basement under a house that was on the side of a hill. So there's a side of the hill and there's a house sitting there that just had a crawl space under it. And the owner wanted to put a full basement in underneath that. So it's a pretty amazing project. Wow. But, yeah. So we shored that whole house up, poured concrete walls all the way around it and created a whole new basement floor in there. But in order to do that, there was like 
there were we we actually had to do a lot of hand digging with pickmatics and shovels into wheelbarrows and plank plank the dirt mm. the dirt out and dump it over the hill. And so we had like six guys, three men on a team, wheelbarrows and shovels, and we were racing each other. So it was my uncle's idea. No, we're going to have fun, man. We're going to have fun doing this. And it's like, and we did have fun, right? So it was just like that change in the attitude. It's like, let's turn this into something we're really going to enjoy like your sons did, right? Yeah. Yeah. That a paradigm shift. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So, so there's that reframing. You might call it that reframing of something that we're dreading to do into something. No, this is going to be good. We're going to have fun. This is going to be good stuff, right? right. So then that's what we have in us. We have that ability to reframe ourselves through proactivity and and uh, those these habits, right? To really make it make it into something that's enjoyable. It's a good life. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, so which habit, Peter? Do you identify if you would pick out a habit? Which one would it be? Which is the one you're saying that's the one that really resonates with me? Seven. Okay. <laughs> well, tell tell everybody what that. seven is. <laughs> Sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah what's that mean that's uh so you begin with rest really i think it's uh the sabbath um you know investing in in your uh, development physically spiritually mentally um it's really just i think rest it's beginning with rest, but, you know, becoming, becoming better through that rest. You know what I mean? It's not like a, like a standard American rest. It's like a proactive rest, right? Like where we're trying to become what we were created to be, not like just laying around eating Cheetos. Does involve that sometimes. Not a lot, <laughs> seldom. <laughs> but I mean, like I would, I would say like, exercise um you know uh reading learning this i think this is like a restful thing for me talking to you guys about the habits uh yeah mm -hmm. yeah what do you yeah. think what do you yeah. think about that you think that's a pretty good description of seven like an overarching vision of seven <laughs> <laughs> well and i always also think it's like it's Get sharpening the saw with the other six habits, right? It's like getting better at the other six is sort of sharpening the saw as well. So, but, but yeah, that I think isn't what's that? There's a balance in that that Covey talks about, a particular balance. Yeah. You know PPC. Yeah. Yeah. The production, production capability. I don't yeah. really like to think about it like that because. I don't know. Those are like some in-depth, elaborate words for me. <laughs> My background. I'm not. I'm not lying. But I know but, you guys think that's funny, but seriously. Yeah. So but I, I just think, think of it. Go ahead. It goes back to your idea of rest, though, because P, production P is production, and then uh, PC is production capability. I think that's right. And yeah. so the idea is that, like if you think about our bodies and our lives as like a factory for a second, terrible analogy, I know, but you can push it till it's just like producing, 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 like become a workaholic. Right. And just push, 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 push. And then it's all going to break down. And it's like, that's not optimum living. Right. So that rest, that production capability is that pulling back into the Sabbath yeah. resting and, you know, it's, I, and I've learned something from you on that, Peter. So, so, uh, so we have a span in ages. So I'm 70 now. How old are you now, Peter? Um, almost 27 in a couple of days. Yeah. So there's a big gap in there, but I've learned you, you kind of said something to me because I'm, I'm kind of driven a little bit, like, you know, yeah. working out all the time. And, and it's to the point where if I didn't work out today, I would start feeling guilty. And you looked at me once and said, no, man, you need to just relax. A yeah. Little. So, and, and I think that's really good. So now I, you know, I give myself, 
uh, permission now to just, okay, ease up a little bit, relax. That's good. Right. And I think that's, so that's sharpening the saw as well to, and then, and then, you know, always reflecting it to the Lord, right. Always reflecting that this glory of, you know, the rest day is, is the Lord's and we're honoring him during that rest, that rest, that period of rest. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so like I like I said, I don't like to think about it in terms of like production and production capability because it's more of for me, it's more of like I don't remember what I was listening to, but I really grasp this idea of like leading from like an overflow and loving from like an overflow. And um it kind of just relates to me in that. I don't really have the perfect words for it, but I think it's more of just being so well rested and prepared that you're able to you know what I mean? Do the things that we need to do that we're called to do that the Lord has for us with ease and maybe not incredible ease. Like it's like no big deal, but it's like, there's obviously still going to be hard things. But I think that like when we do become more comfortable with that rest aspect, that the other things come more easily when we start with that. Cause I mean, like if we go back to the beginning of like creation and everything, all of it started and then, as soon as God made man, it was like, all right, it's break time, guys. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> I can jam with that. John was like, can we, we need to get to work. Right. <laughs> well, I've never noticed that you two haven't kept up and pushed me. So, yeah. <laughs> You're both capable of that, that good hard work. So, yeah, which we've, we've, Yeah. So I'm kind I, of. I would take the. Uh, I want to take that sharpen the saw. You know, mm. kind of the analogy itself is, and it makes me think of you, John, because I've watched you both uh, use a crosscut saw on an expedition, but I've also watched you sharpen some of those crosscut saws. Mm. And there's a certain art to both, you know, to to cutting and to sharpening. But if you only cut you're going to wear yourself out, everybody around you out because that saw, as it gets dull, it becomes worthless and useless. Right. So when I see you take that time to really sit there and just, you know, I, I love watching how you just get the angle just right and just shaving off those little burrs and getting it just the right sharpness and you take your time. And it's, to, I think you had even told me that it's kind of therapeutic to, to sit down and do that. To me, that's definitely that rest that, that Pete is talking about. But if you don't take the time to do that, you don't take the time to sharpen that saw, you wear yourself out because it just gets more and more dull. And crosscut saws, most of them you're using with another person, so you're wearing that person out. That's the same thing with our lives. If we're not taking the time to read, to study, to relax, to, to do all those things, you're going to wear out Laura, I'm going to wear out Nicole, we're going to you know, cause you're not taking care of yourself. You're not sharpening your own saw, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is. No, that's, that's really good, Jim. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that kind of what's interesting about that. And for those who know me well, and I'd say counterintuitive to my temperament is I like to forge ahead fast, right? Get moving, you know, strike out, right. get moving, Many times do, working with Father Han, it's great because I'll get moving so fast that I've forgotten something, right? Or like, where's the list? Like, I look at Father Han, do you, do you have the list? And he's like, here's here's the list. <laughs> I forgot the list, but Father Han has it. And, and you have a similar temperament. But like that sharpening the saw process is really a different. It's really been a great discipline for me because that's that's you know those blades and the teeth need to be set you know i'm using a feeler gauge that's that's gauged at like 12 thousandths of an inch you know the set of the tooth is gauged at 12 thousandths of an inch so it ha everything is a meticulous work on that entire like that six foot long saw that i'm using just hand files and it's really it's been a great a great exercise in humility and patience and meditation so it, it's helped ground me in that in a way into those the habits that uh that i wouldn't normally you know want want to go into but it's really been a great thing you mm -hmm. know 
I think that brings up like why that's such a good analogy though, because we're getting kind of off topic with going into habit seven here, but um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, but uh, it does take some, like some intentional focus to rest in the correct ways. You know what I mean? So like, that means like adoration, um, the sacraments, spiritual reading, you know, exercise, so like I said, like not all of it's sitting there eating Cheetos, you know, watching TV with your kids or whatever. But I think, you know, so like 12 thousandths of an inch is pretty serious. If you screw that up, it'll really, that saw will just be trash. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we did get off on topic a little bit. There. That really <laughs> all right. seven. So, so, so I want to get everything we just said. We'll save that for a little sidebar. Thank you. Yeah. So, that was seven episodes. But I'm I'm curious, Jim, what's if you would say, okay, of the habits, which ones really resonate, say, naturally with you? What's uh, what are they? Yeah, yeah I think um, probably well, naturally. And, and people have told me this and I, I think I'm halfway decent at it. Just, you know, from you and I hiking or Father Han or whoever that the habit, um, I think it's four. Is that what it is? Four or five. Five, seek first to understand and then to be understood. So just to, to really take the time to listen to people and to, to get into their point of view to help help me understand what they're saying. And before, you know, and then the next habit is, you know, or the next part of that is, you know, before speaking, you know, you got to be able to listen, really understand what people are saying. So you can't, I can't really give any advice if I'm just waiting for their mouths to, to stop moving but really listening and trying to figure out where they're at, what they're saying, why they're saying it, and then try to offer help from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be the one I think is this natural, just kind of the introvert in me that just likes to listen and analyze and think about things. Um, So I think that's a strong, strong point for me. Um, And I would say one that does not come naturally. And we've, had a theme here tonight that I've said this over and over is to be proactive. So <laughs> whether it's letting the, the creek get away from me or not getting started on a project because I've analyzed it to death, you know, that's one that's not a natural thing for me um, that I really have to work towards. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess kind of following in behind that, I, I'd say that, um, beginning with the end in mind is, is it's one of those an idea of uh, the vision of setting a vision of uh, what's the possibilities where can we go what can we do you know what what can we build what can we explore and how can we do it so that kind of that vision of that that would be habit number two of um, beginning with the end in mind that whole creative process is really something that's i find very fascinating i find it exhilarating it's natural to me uh but at the same time you it has to be it has to be aligned again with god's the rules of the universe right it's got to be aligned with uh, natural law and and god's law so <laughs> a few years ago it's kind of interesting i was uh having a this and this goes back gosh maybe 15 years ago but i was having a discussion with my sister and uh i forget what it was but uh we were kind of having an uh a little bit of an i don't say maybe a disagreement about the potential of the human person right and uh and i thought she was maybe over emphasizing the potential of the human person that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And so I was 55 years old at the time. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm going to be the next hundred meter champion of the world. I'm going to win the Olympic (laughs) gold medal and set the new world record. And she looks at me in a very kind way and says, well, John, you can do anything you set your mind to. (laughs) And I said, well, actually, no. Right. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's like, no, I'm a, I'm a five foot seven inch, 55 year old 
man and there's no way right it's just because right. i'm not aligning with the I can't, I'm not aligning with natural law. So that's such a big, important thing there. And then following behind that is that personal responsibility. And I'd say another thing, I do like the idea of building the critical path, which is one of the other habits of putting first things first, right? You got to figure out, okay, you got, you, you're seeing something, you're going to do it, but you got to lay, you got to lay the, you know, you got to put the foundation in first and then you got to do everything in the right order. And that's always been, a, you know, great habit. I think I've always loved that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think the seven habits helped me do is just kind of laying that out, you know, making that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think right. we'll talk about that too, how these habits, these seven habits, not only tie with our faith, but with some of these other great books that we've, we've read and how they all kind of mm -hmm. fit together that they all, you know, if that's the center of the wheel, the seven habits that these, you know, like the extreme ownership and the, you know, the 12 rules for life and all those kind of things are the kind of can spoke into those, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that yeah. as well. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, and just, uh, but Pete, you, you, you read a book once, I think that was before you read the seven habits. It was kind of that whole idea of proactivity, right? Yeah. It's called the, uh, 5am club by this guy named Robin Sharma. He just talks about how, um, the premise of the book is just to wake up early and, and have a plan and he's got like some formulas and stuff in it, but basically wake up early before the sun, uh, check in with yourself and exercise habit seven. So like you work out, you, uh, you meditate, pray, read, learn something before you start your day and then you begin. And, uh, so you just kind of like what I was saying earlier is like, you just, you're leading yourself through the overflow of that. You know what I mean? So you're remembering when things get busy throughout the day, it's like, okay, take a second and inventory where you're at. And it's like, does this, like what part of the saw is getting dull right now? You know what I mean? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Like, am I, what part of me am I uh, letting lead right now? Is it the right part? Right. So probably so, not yeah. following, following <laughs> up with that then. So if you were going to talk to somebody and uh, say another man, which you, you talk to men quite a bit, we all three do. Uh, Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. What would, why, why should, why, why would you say men? And I know there may be some ladies out there listening too, but I'm going to, so it's good for them as well. But uh, when we're, since we're in a, a men's ministry, uh, what would you say to men? What would, what would be your, why would you say they should read the seven habits and take them serious and integrate them into their life? What, what would you say? I think I take them seriously because I know that I am the example for my children. You know what I mean? Like I'm the, like what they're going to want to be like one day. I hope, you know what I mean? Um, so that's to live without like a gap in your life is where I want them to be. It's kind of the way I look at things when I think about who I want to be and, and how I want to show up in the world as how I'm like, what, what would I want my kid to be like? And I want them to live with no gap and very integrally um, present themselves to the world and serve, protect and provide my daughter as well. You know what I mean? Like that's, we are in a masculine uh, ministry and, that's, I love it, but I mean, like, it's, that's something I got to teach her too. You know what I mean? That comes from us. It's like, that's something that we teach is like you, you provide, protect and, and lead the week. And, uh, that's something that, uh, this is going to give you is like practicing these habits. It's going to get you closer to mastering yourself so that you're able to have a clear vision of where you're going, a roadmap, a trail guide, uh, an endpoint that you're probably never going to get to even like when you're dying, you're not going to be there. It's just, it's rough, but you're going to try every day and you're not going to quit because <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. I think that uh, it's really important for every, every man to read this or at least, you know, understand the principles of this, uh, the seven habits or whatever. And 
and follow them. Even if it's not said in that way, it's like those principles are like on point. It's what we need to do as Catholic men, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with everything you said. Um, I would only add, and I should have maybe said this at the very beginning, um, that I think there's a misconception about the seven habits of highly effective people. And that misconception is that it's only for business people. Um, and I, I heard that a lot when I was huh. uh, trying to help bring it into the school. And, you know, this is only for business. Why are you doing this with the kids? That type of thing. So I think that's a misconception because, you know, it, I think maybe his target audience was business people. But when you really dive into the seven habits, you realize that it's not just for business. Yes, you can apply it to that. But that's a misconception. So if anyone's saying, you know, why would I study this? Because that's a business thing and I want to deal with that. That's not what this is about. This is about becoming a better man, a better person by learning these habits and living by them. And I think that if, if a guy goes out, gets the book or listens to it on audio, you know, and really learns these habits and memorizes them and, and just kind of commits them to heart, uh, it's going to make you a better man, a better husband, better, better father, better priest, better deacon, better seminarian, whatever it is, better scientist. Mm -hmm it's just going to make you a better, a better person to have these tools in your pocket um, and help you do the right thing. Like John often says, you know, working above the line, doing the right stuff and, and having tools to do that. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, my pitch to, to men to study these habits for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that that's a, you know, at the heart of, of what we call the theology of masculine spirituality is that men were men were built and made in the image and likeness of God to be, you know, to live a life of adventure, to provide, to build, to protect, to explore, and to, you know, serve and, and to lay his life down in, in a radical way, right? To move into that self-gift, right? So that's that's what we're called to without without make without accounting, you know. It's just like go for it that's the way the Lord made us. And, and I think these habits help you to do that and, uh, you know, and, and really line up well. And it, it is interesting, Jim, how you said it's like a lot of people think, well, that's a business book. Well, you know, like everything in the universe is God, right? right? Everything. <laughs> and it's like, no. Nah. And it's like, so you need to do it and do it well and do it with, uh, you know, joy and, and integrity and tell the truth and all that stuff is really, and the seven habits help do that. And I, I think I've talked to several men who come out of like big, let's say the big corporate world and they've in, in a, in a way they've rightly been soured by some of these things like the seven habits, mm -hmm. because the people who were in charge were basically saying, we're going to force these people to study the seven habits because we want them to work harder. Right. We're trying to, we're trying, we're trying to increase our bottom line. That's why we're doing this. So it's, but, but you just sort of have to forget about that. Go to proactivity again and say, no, there's something good here. Right. And uh, right. men need this. And it would really, it just help you jumpstart your life and head towards that, that goal that we all have as men to be, total self gift, right? To do the Lord's work, to let his grace and his power and his energy to flow through us into every project, into everything that we do every day for the good of the other, right? That's really the, yeah, that's yeah. And I would say that if there is anyone out there in that situation that you're talking about, who has been kind of like, yeah, I've studied those. I did that through my business or, you know, through work, I would especially invite them to, Stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as we dive deeper into the habits. And I think they will see what we're talking about here, that it's not just uh, be productive, make more money, increase the bottom line. It's be a better man, be a better husband, be a better father. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of our faith ties into these habits or we can find them there. Amen to that. Yeah, it falls right in line with uh, Wilderness Outreach's mission, which is why we're even talking about it. But I never even got that conception or was aware of that. Maybe it missed me because <laughs> it happens. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even realize it was like a business thing. I was like, yeah, just, you know what I mean? 
I want to be a highly effective human. Right. Just in general. It's just like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the, the same thing with, I think, Jim and myself. You know, I came out of a small corporate environment. So when I was studying this, I was doing it for my own well-being and benefit. Right. So, yeah. You know, Pete's mm -hmm. over there working, working in the, the lot, hauling big trucks truck uh, containers around oh, yeah his earplugs in listening to the seven habits right and you're getting a lot from it so that's that's really good stuff so loving it yeah so uh yeah so great discussion man into the uh into the um the seven habits hopefully um our friends out there have enjoyed our discussion there's more to come we're going to delve into deep you know into each one of the individual habits here in the next uh, couple weeks and uh and uh, i think uh, if we're all ready i'll close us off with a prayer what do you think send it all righty name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. father you illumine the night and bring the dawn to scatter darkness let us pass this night in safety, free from Satan's power, and rise when morning comes to give thanks and praise. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Great. And before you shut me off this time, John... This is me Everybody time. needs to uh, <laughs> I'll do it. share, like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, wherever you're listening to it or watching it. It helps us just get, reach more guys. That's what we want to do yep. is reach more people, more souls. Next right, week, the first on. habit, we're going to do it. Praise be to God. See you then. Yeah, be all proactive. Right. Be there. All right. <laughs>